folks, do you sit on the couch at the end of your day looking forward to relaxing and watching something good and instead you spend about 25 minutes switching between all your different streaming services just trying to figure out what do I watch? Well, if that happens to you, there's a podcast created specifically to solve your problems. That's right. It's called Watch This Tonight, three times a week. Former film critic, uh, film producer, and now podcast producer, Dan Benamore, he offers a curated list of recommendations for the best in streaming in bite-sized episodes that will give you a quick answer to that eternal question. What should I watch tonight? So look for Watch This Tonight from Voyage Media anywhere you listen to podcasts. And now, the body count continues. gentlemen boys and girls dying time is here that's right we're talking about barbarian on kill by kill greetings and salutations internet it's your old pal patrick Hamilton. Coming to you once again from the lovely suburbs of Detroit, this is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of 2022's Barbarian in the hopes that a overnight stayer's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if I need a late night bottle of wine, she'll make sure I'm in the room before she opens it. The one, the only Gina Rancliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I mean, that's just the, the thoughtful thing to do. I, you know, I may just have like you know, a, a, a granule of cyanide in my pocket or, or a, uh, or, you know, I, I made sure to, to pack my emergency roofie kit. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to have that with you. You have to be prepared. It's the boy scout motto. Always have your granule of cyanide with you. Oh, ABR always be roofing baby. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so, uh, before we go too far into Barbarian, of course, there's the very real possibility that not everyone in the audience will have watched it at this point. Although by the time this drops, the film will have come out on HBO Max and will be available digitally to rent. Um, so they will have the opportunity. They may not have had the chance. So before we go into spoiler territory, perhaps as we do with recent releases, we talk in non-spoilery ways for a brief moment of whether or not we recommend people uh, go out and see this particular film. Gina, what say you? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, you definitely need to go into it completely unspoiled. Um, I, I saw it in the theater about a, about a week or 10 days after it came out and, and mm -hmm. I was thrilled that somehow Twitter did not spoil it for me. Uh, I <laughs> did, 
I did not know what to expect going in. Uh, completely mm-hmm. did not see what was coming. <laughs> uh, I think that it is probably one of the other than like hereditary mm-hmm. probably one of the best horror tra- horror movie trailers i've ever seen in as such that it's completely misleading mm-hmm. um which like I, I mentioned hereditary because uh if you were to watch the original theatrical trailer for hereditary it would you, you would assume that charlie the the uh the, the younger child in the family right is yeah. sort of the focal point of the movie. Uh, and that you, you kind of got like a, you know, a creepy kid movie happening. And then like the movie just kills the shit out of earth in the first half an hour. Like you, right. you, you don't even, there's no possible way you could, you could see that happening going yeah. by the trailer alone. And yeah. there's kind of a similar thing here where the, the movie takes a very unexpected hard turn and then it takes another hard turn after that, which is, which yeah. is, you know, also unanticipated. So as far as, you know, no one could come away from this movie saying that they saw any, any of this, they predicted any of this. I mean, horror, mm-hmm. horror movie fans love talking about how they, they knew it was going to happen and, and there's no original horror anymore. And it's all just, you know, it, it, it's all ripoffs. And it's like, no, not, no, you can't pull that with this one. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it is using your expectations against you. And I, that is I, where I think the film's uh, greatest source of originality is. I think it's really lensed well. I, I think uh, if you had, if I had known um, in advance of seeing it that Zach Kreger was from the whitest kids you know, and his previous film experience was Miss March, I would not have anticipated anything happening in this motion picture. It's not exactly, while The Whitest Kids You Know is funny, I wouldn't exactly call it groundbreaking. And Miss March has to be one of the most miserable film experiences I was ever forced to sit through. So uh, that's not exactly a recipe for success. And where I feel Barbarian is at its best is it is remixing elements of other films in a very original way and that is its strength to state in my opinion where it is getting those sources is a spoiler unto itself and we will get to that eventually but i will say that it was insanely confident and a a very fun ride and i i agree but probably seeing in the theater would probably be the best way. And of course we can't all do that. Um, partially because it, barbarians access is going to get cut off from movie theaters as we go here. But uh, I, I think some of its presentation would work best in a room that's completely dark because so much of it is actually kind of dark. Like, I don't think this is the movie that's really going to do well for people watching it on their phone. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Or watching it on like a, like a, you know, a tablet on a plane or anything like that. Right. Yes. I, I think that it, it really requires some of that because of the actual contents of the movie, not just because uh, I'm being a film snob. I really do feel like this really benefits from being in a very, very dark room. So 
that I would encourage people, if you still have the chance to go see it in a movie theater, I, this is well worth your time and attention to do that. Um, I think the the performances are also top notch. And there's so few performances in the film that if you have one bum move, if you cast this wrong in any of the roles, they would just stick out like a sore thumb because there's so few of them to catch your attention. So uh, the the care here and uh, the dedication to the premise and everyone working towards a very singular goal, I think is pretty amazing that this existed, that this was allowed to come to fruition. And it has to be celebrated. It's just a fun, fun grody flick <laughs> that uh, plays with mood very well. Yeah, that this is a, a pretty been a pretty remarkable year for horror. Uh, I mean, there's not been, you know, with, with the, the exception of the commentary track we're going to record after this, <laughs> um, there really hasn't been any clinkers in the bunch. You, you've yeah. had, you've had X, you've had the new scream, you've had Pearl, uh, you've had smile, which I have not seen yet, but I've heard mostly good things. I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. And, and in, you have this, you have a lot of the original movies that have shown up on shutter this year. Yes. And it's just, it's just been very, very solid. Not, not just, you know, just, just good movies, like original movies and movies yeah. that take well-worn tropes and, you know, kind of put a new spit and polish on them. And it's really, really exciting to see. Like anybody yeah. that's still out there complaining that there's no new good horror is just you know, <laughs> looking for an excuse to complain. There was an article the other day that I believe ended up on Total Film. And the premise was because Halloween ends did not do as well as its previous two entries, that somehow people hated legacy horror and, uh, in the same year in which Scream ruled an entire month, that that Hellraiser, the new one, literally rescued the franchise. That Prey rescued its franchise. <laughs> there were conversations for weeks online that people don't like legacy horror. They only like these new original things. It's like, oh my God, this is the wrong year to do this. Like we will, we will, if you want to hear our discussion on, on Halloween ends, we are going to record a, uh, a commentary track as we have for all the Halloween films. And, and that will be coming up. That being said, one swing and a miss for some others have enjoyed it. Um, does not in any way, shape, or form like that franchise, that three film trilogy has earned over $500 million. There's just no way on earth people are like, well, I didn't care for this one. So therefore, legacy horror is dead. I'm only going for original films. We can have both. And guess what? We have had both. That's the nice thing about this year. It's been well-rounded. As you say, it's just a, a good year for original sh stuff. Like Shudder has had some fantastic stuff. And of course, the one of the other films that we haven't mentioned that has been kind of a, a, a cause celeb is Terrifier 2. Oh, right. And, yes. Uh, that, you know, while it's weird to say this, but Terrifier 2 is, technically a legacy horror <laughs> uh, because 
it is a sequel to a film. Now that that film's only three or four so years old. And I think this was only kind of delayed due to the pandemic and whatever. That being said, like it's had that amount of time for that original film to kind of gain an audience. And Terrifier 2 is delivering something that Barbarian wasn't and that Smile wasn't and that Halloween Ends wasn't. And so you're getting this wide variety of uh, types of stuff that you're not getting everywhere else. Like, as you said, like Shudder, they have uh, Resurrection, which is a very psychological horror film, but I think well worth everyone's time. It is gnarly emotionally. (laughs) And then you have like stuff like VHS 99, which is a great little anthology film. You know, that VHS, you know, set of films always manages to come up with some, like there's no true stinker in the VHS sort of franchise. And this one manages to continue that, which I think is pretty wild. You know, when we eat well, we kind of have to celebrate it. I don't feel the need to line up all these movies in a row and start knocking them off yeah. to, to see which one was better. I just, come on. And, man, and this is, and, and this isn't even a, a situation like, um, remember Eddie Murphy raw and he's talking about like when you're, yeah. been, when you've been eating, uh, uh-huh. you know, you haven't been eating well and then you have like Ritz crackers and you're like, wow, yeah. these are the best crackers I've ever tasted. You know, <laughs> it's like where you, you, your judgment is sullied because, you know, horror supposedly has been, you know, so underwhelming that right. when you have a so good run, right. Yeah. When you, when you, you know, that when you, you know, get a good run that maybe you're, you're in your mind, you're perceiving them to be better than they actually are. No, it just, I mean, horror has been pretty good for the yeah. past decade. It's yes. just that particularly this year, it's just really you know, reaching heights that we haven't seen since probably the mid eighties. Yeah. I think a lot of it kind of comes down to that. The amount of good stuff in a very short period of time, when you, you know, starting from that sort of like when prey comes out to Halloween ends, terrifier two, there's just a, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, that are just kind of really high water marks. Um, and I apologize to the audience if you hear eating in the background. That is my puppy <laughs> who cannot be in the rest of the house right now. He has to be with me and he is eating. Uh, like us, uh, we're enjoying this meal of fine horror. So uh, that being said, uh, Barbarian, well worth everyone's time. It is it is kill by kill approved as a motion picture. And so uh, for those who have not seen the film and want to remain unspoiled, and we would suggest you do that. Sometimes it doesn't much matter here. I think you will enjoy the thrills and spills uh, unspoiled better, but that is up to you. Uh, But from this moment on, we will get into spoiler territory in three to one pause and come back to us and Gina, 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 this, this movie, uh, I think one of the, you know, a lot of people have talked about its originality and I do believe that it is original in many, many aspects, but it also speaks to a particular point, And that is not nearly enough. People saw don't breathe, I guess is my question. 
Well, the Don't Breathe, I don't, did that get theatrical release? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It did very well. Really? Okay. Because yes. I, I don't remember it being in the theater at all. I thought it was like oh, one yeah. of the- I, I remember, it's one of my favorite theaters experiences uh, in the last decade, honestly, because it was one of those movies that- um, it and then one of the reasons I like seeing horror movies in a, in a theater is it forced the audience instead of of being loud to attempt to be quiet because they are feeling the tension of not making loud noises on on screen and they're like and you can feel like everyone gets small as they you know try not to make heavy popcorn eating noises because <laughs> and that added to the tension of the piece and i would assume there were in a theater people were uh shrinking instead of uh it being like a loud comedy where the more laughter you get the more the communal experience well i'll tell you um when i did see barbarian um yeah i mean certainly you know from a personal level i was very much kind of you know, curled up in my seat and kind of like cringing and, and, sure, and yeah. anticipation. But yeah. when the first big reveal happened, uh, which would be uh, uh, Bill Sarsgaard's character. <laughs> his, nice guy, Bill Sarsgaard. Yeah, just having his, his head smashed like a cantaloupe against a, 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 you know, a, a solid stone wall. Yeah. People started laughing. I started laughing too because it was just like, holy shit, you know, like, what the <laughs> hell is, is this? <laughs> uh, and, and like, just that sort of tension release, like, like yeah. you know, because... It, and you know, when looking back, it's like, of course, they were misleading the audience. It's, it's, yeah. you know, you know, it's like, how could I not see this coming? That, that, you know, because be, it's Bill Sarsgaard, right? Sorry, because that kid, yeah, it's not it, win. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, it's, it's the guy, you know, <laughs> who, who has done other roles in, you know, in his career that aren't necessarily. You know, uh, 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 on you immortal child killers, but right. he'll always be the it guy, and and it yeah. and, and it's a I don't want to say it's a shame because you know he's probably got you know a, a Scrooge McDuck money room from playing the it, right, sure. the, it the it guy, but you know he's just so even as himself. He's just so distinctive looking and he's got those kind of weird eyes and, yeah. and, you know, he's about seven feet tall and, and I'm, th I'm thinking, I was like, like, what else have I seen him in? And I was like, oh, yeah. he was in Castle Rock. And right. you know, which he wasn't necessarily the villain in that, but but you were made to believe that he was. Right. And, but he is an evil entity, or at least versions of him are along the beam, if we're gonna get into right. Stephen King universe speak. Right. So you it's hard to you associate him as anything but a villain at this point. It would to me it would be like uh, if you put like Ted Levine in something in the mid-90s. Right. Yeah. And you think, oh shit, it's Buffalo Bill. He's a bad yeah. guy, you know. Right. <laughs> it's like no matter no matter what, which is always which is why it's funny now to see him in his like sixties or seventies playing these like rumpled cops. Right. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. like that doesn't seem or even like something like The Mangler, which is a contemporary of Silence, and you know he looks in Buffalo Bill shape, 
and he's walking around as a cop and you're like, I don't, I don't trust this person. I don't trust this person at all. You know, all those affects that make him, him were so inherent to Buffalo Bill. He is kind of forever typecast in a certain way. And they definitely use this about Skarsgård against the audience. It right. is particularly aimed at making you question the kind of person he is. That's where the vast majority of the tension is coming from because for us, that significant portion of the opening act, there's no on-screen villain. You just have to wonder what's going on and it uses that against you so well. And this is where we kind of come back to, I guess, Zach Kreger obviously coming from a comedy background. And now we also have Jordan Peele in, in the world. The relationship between horror and comedy is becoming more and more apparent to people because of the mathematics involved. There's a certain math to making jokes and there's a certain math to making scares. They're involuntary reactions that both kinds of stories are trying to evoke out of you. And so the math isn't terribly different uh, so long as the person who's telling the joke or making the scare is confident that that joke or scare works. And here, you know, I wouldn't say that he's somehow aping uh, the style necessarily so much as uh, being very confident in how that formula and I say that loosely because I don't feel these scares are this film is formulaic in that way, but there's a formula to how you grasp an audience and sort of manipulate them into feeling unease. And it's very apparent in, in Jordan's film. And, and I feel like Craiger does the exact same type of thing here. There's just a, a confidence that they know what they're doing. And when you, uh, that allows you to relax into the ride and enjoy the premise and the plot a lot more. Well, what I particularly like about uh, the scenes with uh, Bill Skarsgård and, oh my God, I did not check Wikipedia beforehand. I, unfortunately, I forgot this actress's name. She's uh, very- Georgina Campbell. She's, she, yeah, she's very good. She Now, yeah. I will say that one complaint that I have seen about this movie from people is that she does, this character does a lot of dumb things, uh, mm. including, you know, going back to rescue someone she she'd never seen before in her life. Right, uh, right, right. But I'm like, people, how do you expect the plot to keep moving? <laughs> she doesn't, you know, if the, if the movie had, you know, if she, you know, movie had ended when she gets out of the house and, you know, the homeless man helps her run away. Yeah. It's, and then it's like the end. <laughs> you know? yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, had yeah. to give her a reason to go back to the house. And yeah, is it plausible yeah, you know, I mean, I'd love to say that, you know, if I was trapped in a house with a complete stranger and there was like, you know, a murderous third party there, if I managed to escape, I'd like to say that I would try to go back for that person, the other person. I don't uh, know that I would. I would certainly yeah. call the police and say I have just escaped from a house. There's someone else there who might be in danger. But I don't know that I would personally go back and try to get this person myself. I mean, maybe yeah. that's says something 
bad about me, but you know, I mean, it's true, but she does get the police involved to help her rescue this person. The police are like, fuck this. Yeah. You're making this up. This is, you know, even though she's like, you know, she's like shoeless. She's obviously been been assaulted by somebody and, and they're just like, no, we're not going to, you know, yeah, this is our coffee break. We're not going to help you. But, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I, you know, and a, a lot of, you know, what I was going to get back to with her and Bill Skarsgård's interactions sure, with yeah. each other is it's funny, but also very realistic because she automatically feels like this is a dangerous situation, which, yeah, you know, yeah. sh- she's right to. Uh, yeah. You know, he knows that she knows that. he knows that she thinks she's in a dangerous situation so he's embarrassed you know he is trying to go out of his way to reassure her that you know that he's not going to hurt her that that you know this is a situation both of them is thrown in together but he gets and is not offended by the fact that she that she perceives him as a threat to her, which, you know, I, I, I think that that is you know, pretty cool and fairly forward thinking, you know, he's, he's not defensive, you know, he's not, you know, he's not going out of his way to reassure her, but, you know, he's, he's trying to make her comfortable, but not in a way that feels sinister or like we joked about that he's going to slip roofies in her wine. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they, they talk and she kind of starts liking him to to the point yeah. where, you know, she like she takes a picture of his license and like later she looks at the picture and she's she's kind of got this, oh, he's kind of cute huh. look on her face, you know. <laughs> he didn't have to be nice. Right. He turns out to be nice. But she is being wary, like she's being actively wary of the situation she finds herself in. And so, uh, yes, you know, the the other element here that I think people, the screamification of the horror genre is people go, don't you know you're in a horror movie? And folks, the vast, vast majority of people who are in horror movies, their characters are unaware that they are in a horror film that <laughs> just is not something they're aware of. And for her, you know, she gets trapped in this basement. Um, I had to read somewhere that it's two weeks later because I did not know that. The film doesn't really give you dates. So they could practically be concurrent that another person enters the picture. But apparently it's two weeks later. So she's trapped in this basement thing for two fucking weeks. And finally, this other person shows up. And I feel like in, in her in her mind, the last thing she wants to be responsible for is leaving someone else behind to go through what she has gone through, which of course is a weirdly a lesser trauma than anyone else who's been trapped in that basement. Cause guess what? Richard Brake cinema's leading oh shit if he's in this something bad is going to happen actor even more so than bill scars <laughs> it changes the aspect ratio and we go back to the 80s and turns out he has been dragging women into his basement dungeon for decades and now we have an x-files 
just, just home situation. Yeah, I was gonna say just making incest babies over and oh, over and god. over. Oh my god. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> of course, now is a hulkling. That's the other thing is that a certain point when when mother, as I was apparently this character has been dubbed, burst through a cement fucking wall. <laughs> Like someone has said, it's time for some high C. Just bursts through a wall and rips a homeless man's arm off and beats him with it. Like, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know how, how, you know, these two generations of inbreeding leads you to be super strong. (laughs) Sure, why not? Sure. That's the thing. Like you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. And this is where I think the comedy of this really comes to the fore because it's so outrageous. The difference between this being a horror movie and a straight up comedy is inches. And the same can be said for get out. The same can definitely be said for Nope. You know, us to a certain degree also has that they're so close to really being hilarious comedies (laughs) is inches away. And the difference is how you exactly tell that story, but they're both like causing these involuntary reactions, either a laugh or a scream. And (laughs) like you said, when Skarsgård gets beat against the walls of a cave, you're laughing, not because it's inherently funny, but it's the only reaction left to you because he's been slowly tightening a noose around your nerves for what feels like an eternity. Even And then people leave and they come back to the bad place that you know is bad. They can kind of sense is bad, but they don't know for sure is bad. And, oh my God. Wow. Uh, it's... It's a it's a really fun fucking magic trick. This motion picture. It is because when she is going down this like endless hallway, underground, <laughs> that it, I mean, it's literally like a labyrinth down there, and yes. and you know, and she can hear the like 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 you know, Skarsgård has disappeared at this point to because he has volunteered to go on ahead and and see what's down there because she has found a room with a camera in it that it appears that people have been murdered in there. Um, and he is, you know, gallantly volunteered to, 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 to check things out. Uh, I mean, I don't think that he needed to do that. I would not expect you know, anyone to do that. You know, I, I would be like, okay, why don't we just leave together and go find a hotel somewhere? Yes. Um, yes. You know, there, this, this is not my house. I don't need to see, find out what's, you know, in this basement that I didn't know. This, this secret hidden, you know, other, entirely other, you know, underground house in the basement. And you can start hearing him, you know, calling out for help. And it was like, okay, this is how he traps her. This is how he traps oh. her. And it's like, you can like, and, and then he, you know, pops out and you're like wow he's doing a really great job of looking completely terrified <laughs> what a what a what a what a great actor this guy must be in order to have this extremely elaborate trap to to you know get women into his underground lair and he's like there's something in here 
And it's yeah, like, it's, it's a like, setup punchline. Right. It's a setup. And it's like, uh huh, uh huh. She's going to reach out to him and he's going to grab her. It's like, nope, but something reaches out and grabs him. And like I said, just, you know, smashes that head like, like a watermelon. <laughs> it is, uh, uh, I, 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 it's a fun fucking flick. I mean, the, the, the structure of it is worthy of examination because it's so simple. But all the tension comes from, you know, putting Georgina Campbell's character in particular positions where you feel like this is not going to end well. And then releasing her from it. She's in this house. It's overnight. There's doors opening and she can sense that something's off. She leaves for a job interview and the whole time like, well, don't fucking go back. And she goes back. She gets trapped in the the you know the basement entryway and cannot get into the main house she's rescued from that and you go don't go back <laughs> and she goes back she goes into the you know maze underneath the house and and manages two weeks later apparently to get out and you're screaming don't go back. Well, that's, and that's, she does. that's the funny thing is, is one of the other great, another great uh, uh, instance of misleading the audience is this homeless man who, yes. when she does try to get into the house, he starts running at her and yelling, don't go in there. Don't go in there. Right. Don't and, go in there. And she and she thinks, oh, you know, here's some crazy homeless man who's coming to bother me. And no, he's warning you. <laughs> he's, right. you know, he's the only one that no know, actually knows what's going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think it's one of those that's gonna really reward the rewatch. Oh yeah. Um, You're gonna see there's gonna I'm sure I'm positive that there are a lot more indicators of what's actually happening that that you you wouldn't have noticed the first time around because you're so focused on whatever is happening between these two characters who we think are the protagonist and the antagonist and yes. the antagonist turns out to be just another turns out to be the first victim we see in the movie <laughs> and like i said it's very much like hereditary in that regard yes where yes. the the trailer has the, the 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 trailer focuses entirely on a woman is trapped in an Airbnb with a stranger, yeah. and it's like she is, but not that one. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's there's an entirely different stranger that she's trapped in this Airbnb with. Um. So, uh, I, I both Georgina and Bill give very, very dedicated, controlled performances that are really structured well. And then we add to this the sort of third member of the triumvirate, and that is Justin Long leaning into that fear that underneath the nice guy veneer, he's the worst person you've ever met. And this has to be somewhat, like if you're talking about casting someone against their type, this is one, and I feel like this has been done over and over and over again with Justin Long, going back a decade to drag me to hell, where he's supposed to be the nice boyfriend, but deep down he's kind of not the nicest boyfriend in that. Uh, and then here he's this 
happy-go-lucky, I've-got-the-world-on-a-string actor who just happens to have sexually assaulted his co-star and is real mad that he's gaining any sort of repercussions from it at all. Right. Well, yeah, that's the other thing that the that the the movie does a good juxtaposition on is that he is a bad guy who thinks he's a good guy. Yes. And whereas Bill Skarsgård is a nice guy, you know, a genuinely nice guy and not the you know capital NG nice guy yes, who yeah, yeah. worries about being perceived as a bad guy. And is aware his his awareness of how that can come across is kind of like, oh, you're aware. But then when she says, we need to get out of here, something bad is happening. He, he, in that situation, he doesn't immediately listen to her. He's still in panic mode because he's been bitten. And so he does pay the price because he does, does not listen to her. And again, like throughout the movie, dudes do not listen to her and they really do pay the price. Like Tess is telling people over and over again, this is happening. And guys are like, uh, huh. (laughs) And then they end up smashed. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them deserve it. Okay. You know, Bill Skarsgård doesn't deserve it. Homeless guy doesn't deserve it. You know, you Justin Long definitely deserves it for a, for a number, a number of different reasons. (laughs) Uh, oh my god wow i mean that's that i she suffers so much at the hands of this man who you know to a certain degree is trying to help but is the worst help we've had some bad helpers in the in the history of this show gina but he (laughs) has to be the worst partner anyone has ever had trying to get out of a bad situation well i I think that he wants to help but he also wants to be in charge you know it's 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 also you know i think that the fact that he is the owner of this house you know somehow did not know there was this entire sub basement (laughs) to it um I mean, this part with this with this tape measure is probably the funniest thing I've seen in a horror movie in in yeah. in some time. Where he's you know mildly startled to discover that there is essentially a, an entirely separate you know second house full of rooms you know yeah. underneath his house. But his first thought is, oh, does this mean I can charge more for this Airbnb? <laughs> you know, in, in this god awful neighborhood that that looks like an atomic bomb went off in it, right, and so yeah. and somehow this is the the this only house in this entire block that's perfectly kept. Which I do have some I do have some questions about sure. who was taking care of the house. The the Airbnb company is taking care of the house. So they okay. So, so they they presumably did not know this whole separate secret part of the house was there i'm assuming no but again i've only watched it one and a half times (laughs) i i haven't watched it the full all the way through but you i I was wondering if they were in on it somehow or it's just that the invisible hand of capitalism is so callous they don't care you know they care enough to do the job they're supposed to do but the, I don't know how Justin Long came to owning this property as as a as a profit motive. I, I, 
he right. obviously has never stepped foot in it before, even though he was born and raised in Detroit, because he says he's back in town to his mom. And she's like, what, what you're, you're back. Um, well, and, and, and also like, like the home, the homeless man kind of suggests that this is something that is still happening. Even, oh, yeah. even though the uh, Richard Brace character is like this ancient old man who can't even get out of bed anymore. And, and uh, well, definitely mother has been going out and trying to bring people back. Um, it does, it does make you wonder how often have Airbnb customers been dragged into the basement? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, so, you know, but yeah, going back to this tape measure scene, you know, that's his, that's his primary thought is could, could I get, could I, you know, does this count as square footage? And it does. Yeah. And he's delighted. And just this long scene. Everyone of, wants to have a house where there's a, they've got a, a already set up murder base. Yeah. That's, and, that's a real draw. And of course, you know, this, the scene is so well done, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's, it's funny, but also it's like, okay, you know, he's going to pull this tape measure back and it's going to be covered in blood or, or he's yeah. going to try to pull it back and someone is going to be holding on to it in the other end. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's it just, or, or it's going to spring back because I mean, you, you've used a tape measure, you know, you, you hit that thing and like, you know, it feels like it sliced your thumb off. And there's just so many possibilities of how this could go. And, and you're just sort of, you know, laughing both the ridiculousness of, you know, this guy just trying to, pull this tape measure and, and he's going further and further and further into this, this hallway and this, you know, this collection of tunnels that keeps going and going and just seems impossibly long. And at no point does he stop and say, wow, how long does this go on? He's just like, he just <laughs> keeps oblivious. pulling this tape measure along and it's like, okay, how long is this tape measure for and it's like okay that's gonna snap back in some way or another at some point and it's gonna like put his eye out or something or it's gonna you know <laughs> someone's gonna be dragging behind it or it's gonna caught on bill sarsgaard's corpse or something and it's just you, your mind the mind reels at how many different ways it could go and it becomes yeah. it becomes funny yes I think the mind reels is an excellent way to put it, Gina, because this is an exercise in your mind doing a good half of the work. Right. Because <laughs> you're thinking the worst way this can happen. And that's occupying half of your mind while you're watching the film give you set up various scenarios for it all to go wrong. And you know what's going to go wrong. You just don't know how it's going to go wrong. And the fact that it, it has the confidence to play that way is, uh, you know, a good portion of how people are responding to the movie. It just, it's really good at dangling possibilities in front of you and then snatch, pardon me, no, I'm doing it, snatching it up in a different way. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, there's very, we've confronted this before, uh, particularly in slashers. Uh, a bunch of characters who are so terrible, the idea is you can't wait for them to die. And we've often complained about it because those characters aren't nearly hateful enough to actually make a film entertaining. And the the another magic trick of Barbarian is 
Justin Long is not someone you, his character is not someone you like. You hate him almost immediately. And the his ability to avoid death when he should be dying so many times <laughs> becomes intriguing. It's, it's I mean, that, that I think is really kind of the special sauce of this film is it presents you with people uh, that you think I know how this is going to go and finds ways given that there aren't that many characters of giving you something you uh, it's the, 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 something you kind of expect in a way you never expected. Right. Cause, because again, to bring it back to Bill Sarsgaard's character, like, you know, if you look at like, you, you compare Bill Sarsgaard to Justin Long, which one? Which one of these you know, these men do you think would last longer against a a a you know a a mutant a giant mutant incest baby? And right. it's like you know you know average size, relatively compact Justin Long or six foot five Bill Sarsgaard, and like Bill Sarsgaard, he's like he's ambushed, like literally, You're like right. like she just you know and, and and she's a she, the incest baby's a yeah. she. Um, just grabs him by the back of the head, like splat right against the wall. Like, like he does, he doesn't even have the opportunity to fight back. Whereas, yeah. as Justin Long just seems to somehow keep just, just a hair's breadth close to death and just manages <laughs> to weasel out of it, just as he thinks he's going to weasel out of these, you know, sexual assault charges. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> my greatest fear at a certain point in the film was he's going to get out of this and the, and the <clears throat> sort of, it's going to be cast as him rescuing Tess. And this is somehow going to overcome his misdeed. He's like, Oh, he's a and, good guy after all. Right. That's uh, <laughs> this one thing is going to erase his other misdeed. <laughs> I was so happy when that didn't happen. <laughs> well, no, because he, he's a, he's a liar and an opportunist to the very, literally to the very end. Oh my God. Wow. Uh, it's, it becomes like a joke at a certain point. And when he starts, when he makes the decision, I'm going to go into this basement, but I, I heard a scream, so therefore I'm going to go and prepare it. And he finds the tiniest knife to put in his belt. <laughs> Just this little light, like, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Big John in, uh, in uh, Halloween Kills, where he's got the little, the right. little he picks up the little cheese knife to like, yeah. go investigate. Well, it's compact. The, the, the only, it's like the only part of that movie that I like is his little cheese knife. <laughs> No, I enjoy when the one cop shoots his partner in the throat. And we learned that that night he made out with Laurie Strode. <laughs> oh, God. No. Oh. Okay. See, that's where the comedy guy goes wrong. Because you have a very successful comedy writer in charge of the Halloween trilogy. And it works for that first one, in my opinion. But then it really bites him in the ass in the back, too. Where he sets up situations that are clearly hilarious. And I'm supposed to take them seriously. Uh, uh, so, listen, it's not a, an automatic formula for success. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, Justin Long. Uh, when... when he falls in that tunnel and the baby bottle gets extended down. It's grade A 
nightmare fuel. When I see those cages, when they turn the corner and see the cages, Tess is immediately horrified. Her head has done the math. When Justin Long's character comes in and sees it, he's like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get saved. This is dangerous to him. Can I charge these as extra rooms? Am I... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Someone to have like uh th- that's gonna take a ding if this was some sort of underground dog fighting ring. That that's bad. <laughs> like, no, it's so much worse. It's so much worse. Oh god. And the the fact that this shit has happened like this fucking week, someone came to the cops and said, Hey, my dad was a serial killer. And they're like, No. And then she goes to a different set of cops and says, Hey. My dad was a serial killer. Like, all right, I guess we'll investigate. And they start finding remains in the backyard immediately. Like, this isn't science fiction, folks. The cops do not believe you. Their job is not necessarily to protect you, a citizen. It is to protect those who own property, everybody. So the system needs to fucking change. I say this as a property owner. The system has to change. And that I think there's a fair amount of people who will see this film and 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 laugh at the cops not doing anything as some sort of divine joke when in fact it is telling the truth and that is why it's funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and that's what works for me so much about this you know, I, I don't want to call it a relationship, this interaction sure. between uh uh uh, Bill Sarsgaard um, and uh, his character in Tess is, yeah. you know, in, 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 in repeatedly acknowledging the awkwardness and the discomfort of the situation, uh-huh. uh, it, it almost becomes that they're flirting with each other. Like, yeah. you know, you know, oh, if this was any other situation than this, we might be kind of into each other because, yeah. you know, he has you know, something in common. With you know, uh, 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 you know, with her, you know, her career aspirations that you know he right, right. he yeah. knows someone you know connected with the you know the company she wants to the, the the film production company she wants to get a job with, and you know when he says that he's like yeah sure man sure and and he actually he's telling the truth. And, yeah. you know, if they had met in a bar or something or or on a blind date, you know, they probably would turn into a couple. But, you know, the, the situation is so, you know, awkward and embarrassing. I mean, no man wants to be immediately perceived as a threat. Well, OK, I'm going to correct myself. Some men. <laughs> Would, would you know would be all reasonable man. yeah would be all right you know and maybe even enjoy being perceived as a threat by a woman most normal men you know you know, don't would, would prefer that not be the case but they understand why that's the case you know it's sort of like i don't know have you ever had to to drive a babysitter home and oh yes and yeah. you're like okay i am going to be as polite and fatherly and distant yeah. as I can be, because I don't want her to even get the slightest whip that I'm trying to hit on her. Because, right. you know, I understand these things happen. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I am mortified that she may, by default, perceive me as a person who would do that. But, you know, rather than being defensive or offended at that, you know, I'm going to overcorrect and, you know, 
you know, sit as far away as I can from her, not accidentally brush against her or anything, you know, just like thinking, okay, how do I not make her think I'm going to do this? How do I not make her right, think right, I'm right. going to do this? You know, and, and this is why Bill Sarsgaard's character does that to the point of awkwardness where, yeah. you know, he's like, okay, now he's overcorrecting and, and yes. trying too hard to, to, you know, make himself seem non-threatening. And, but, he is, as it turns out, you know, like, Bill Sarsgaard innocent, you know, like, yeah. he's done, he, he has done nothing and will do nothing wrong and unfortunately ends up getting killed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, this, I think I've come up with an idea of what I feel like Barbarian is uh attempting as an allegory to be this is this this house is dating for single women <laughs> sometimes you come into this house and you find yourself uh with a a, a guy who over who overcorrects you who knows that it's that he could be perceived a certain way and overcorrects but is inherently trying to do the right thing and you might have an attraction to him otherwise but this unsaid unspoken thing that is really neither of your fault is still lingering in the room. And sometimes you get an AJ Gilbride who is just rotten to the core, but has the veneer of the nice. He is the nice guy, capital N G T M. And he is terrible down underneath. You never know when you step into that house what you're going to get. And if something bad happens to you in that house and you go tell somebody, they don't believe you. If you call somebody and say something's wrong here, they're like, I don't think so. It doesn't seem wrong to me. People go on dates every day. They don't always find murder basements. So you're on your own. And that is the divine joke here, folks. Dating is the barbarian house. And <laughs> I'm sorry to all of you who are still dating in that house. I've, I'm dating. I, I, I have my own house and I try to keep that in order. And there's zero murder basements here because uh, it's California. We don't have basements. I, I have a cement slab, everyone. We're, we're on solid ground. I mean, you know, there could be bodies under the slab. There's true, but I haven't put them there. That's the important part. I've implicitly gone out of my way to put them there. <laughs> if they happen to be there, if this if this tract was built on a burial ground where they just moved the headstones and then they didn't move the bodies <laughs> in, in poltergeist fashion, uh, it is not an Indian burial ground, everyone. I, I guess people confuse it with the shining in that respect. Is that why people do that? I, I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Or no, um, uh, Amityville horror too. That's a, that's a Amityville horror yeah. too. Okay. So it's like, it's a trope and it's the one that kind of misses that exact trope, but people associate it with that anyways, I guess. I mean, I was going to say, you know, you, you live in Southern California. Don't y'all just like, you know, toss bodies like into like, you know, like you off the highways and like yeah, you right. leave them on people's front lawns, you know, I mean. Uh, we were the serial killer capital for a little bit there, or at least the highest profile one. Um, certainly all of the land here is built on blood. Let's put that 
uh, to rest right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, actually, Patrick Hamilton, not innocent when it comes to that. But oh, I was born <laughs> into this game. I'm trying to actively not continue it or, or keep the bodies piling up. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I've actually been re- uh, reading a book about the uh, the hillside killers and uh, or hillside yeah. hillside stranglers, and I've actually found myself reading. It. I'm like, okay, I wonder how close Patrick lived to this one. <laughs> so close, the Eagle Rock. They're in Eagle Rock. Yeah, I remember you mentioning oh. Eagle Rock, and I'm like, I'm like, oh shit. Okay. And <laughs> I mean, you and, were like, a, I grew up in Glendale. So, like, the Eagle Rock Mall yeah. was, uh, is a very nice, is a very, uh, it's one of those uh, quote unquote East Side neighborhoods. All, people get very bristled when you call it East LA for whatever reason. Um, I'm going to just believe them, but it, it is the East Side of LA. Um, and, uh, uh, it's very Tony now. Uh, it's kind of a bedroom community and whatnot. But the Eagle Rock Mall was like where I saw Jason Goes to Hell and uh, <laughs> where I bought my own copy of Stephen King's It. Um, but it was also kind of always described as, as seedy in comparison to Glendale, whether or not it was or, you know, it was just the subtle racism of Los Angeles. I couldn't really tell you. Um, but uh it's very freeway close. Like the, the two, uh, which is built there where they filmed chips before it opened. Uh, and the one thirty four um, cross over that. So that aided and abetted their ability to get away with murder multiple times. That is a heinous pair. Those two, the hillside stranglers. Um, oh my God. I went to a storytelling show and there was a woman who told the story about how her car broke down on the transition from the 110 to the 101 freeway. And it's a long, big curve. Uh, she goes to a call box. She calls in and the person on the other line says, listen, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but if a person claiming to be a cop shows up with just a badge, even if they have lights on their car, don't open the window. Don't open the car until you have somebody else there with them. She's like, oh, that's strange. She's just believe me. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but believe me. Lo and behold, she gets back in her car. Someone pulls up behind her. There's a single spinner on top of the hood. And he's not wearing a full uniform and has a badge and says, how can I help you? And she's like, I'm not supposed to. The call box person said, I'm not supposed to open the window. I'm not supposed to open the door. Uh, the person who she contacted on the call box calls her parents and her dad shows up. And as soon as her dad pulls over, the guy who's the cop runs away. Guess who that person was, Gina? The hillside strength. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were like, we, we were literally like kindergarten age when this happened. So I doubt you you remember oh, yeah. any of it. But yeah, yeah. It, it's it kind of, you know, you know, and I and they, they have said why it's because, you know, y'all are all highways out there and, and it's sure, sure, and yeah. it is you know fairly easy to get away. Whereas here in New York, you have to like murder someone and then get on a subway. <laughs> And and, and it it makes it a little, a a little harder to lay low. So, you know, you most, you know, times you've had serial killers, it's people who had cars like David Berkowitz and, and uh, Joel Rifkin, who actually lived outside of the city. So, Mm -hmm. you know, here you're more likely to just have like one time, you know, shootings, but not a serial killer situation. It's not hospitable to that right. sort of thing, regardless of what maniac may be trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Or the upcoming scream. 
two, six, 58, whatever they're going to end up. Calling. <laughs> um, so, um, oh my God. The, the cops thing was so crazy and fantastic. And uh, it's, this is a, a, just a very well made solid horror flick. And the characters are very well drawn. The confidence in which it's shot and lensed and edited is pretty great. And I can't wait to see what this guy does. Now, he had this script in the hopper, it sounds like, for nearly a decade before it finally got made. So uh, I'm very excited to see what he comes up with after this. Um, uh, I don't know if he'll stay in horror or not. But considering this was made for 4.5 and it's made nearly 45 million, it's it's a multi, it's a 10 times multiplier. So I think he's going to be able to kind of do the things he wants from this point forward, at least within a certain budget range. It'll be interesting to see what he comes up with after this. This this was a very fun debut. And you know what? But but you also know what the, the best part is. It won't be a sequel sure. to Barbarian. That's right. Um, I love, oh, speaking of, I love the aspect. This is a thing that people are doing more often. Perhaps it'll become a trope at a certain point, but I think it has a really interesting psychological um, effect on people. The aspect ratio change. When the second we're stopping what we're doing, we're telling another story happens and we go back to Frank and his reign of terror in Detroit and it goes to a 4-3 aspect ratio. You're like, oh, okay, I know when this is now because of the aspect ratio. Uh, and he's buying diapers and plastic sheets. Oh, my God. Jane, <laughs> Jane, 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 Jane. And uh, breastfeeding instructional videos. Oh, oh God. <laughs> he says this to this clerk and she's like, oh, God bless you. Don't. Don't bless him. God has nothing to do with this. this and she's like, oh, is your baby a boy or a girl? He's like, he's like, not bored yet. <laughs> oh. oh, criminy. Oh, Jesus. Just the fucking worst. Um, every part of it, when you think more about it, it just gets worse and worse. It's, well, uh, I have to, I have to laugh just to keep from crying is what it comes well, down Well, when you, you mentioned the, the, the cops who just completely blow her off and yeah. people, you know, this brings us back to, uh, to real life serial killers. Uh, so, you know, do you, do you, the, the the hottest serial killer boy in town, Jeffrey Dahmer, that that yeah. dreamboat, um, <laughs> you know, that notoriously smelly dream. Yeah, boat, yes. you know, uh-huh. I, I I like this one because he's got nice lips. Um, uh, I mean, let us not let us not forget that uh, one of his last victims, a child, a a fourteen year old boy. Uh, escaped with a hole drill in his head, uh, bleeding from a very delicate area, um, not a stitch of clothing on him. Uh, people called the cops to say, hey, we found this very young boy uh, bleeding, looking like he's been assaulted by someone. Um, the police sent him back to the man who had been torturing him 
and who killed him later the same night, laughing it off as, you know, oh, he had a fight with his boyfriend. Uh, and so, yeah, if you don't think that the cops are going to just ignore someone who has been the obvious victim of some sort of assault telling you, hey, this person in, you know, you know, number, you know, in one, two, three, you know, Main Street or apartment C on 10th Street has attacked me. And they're like, that we don't have time. We don't have time for this. They just put out fresh crawlers at the Duncan, you know, I mean. <laughs> Before you look at a scene in a movie and you know, deem it to be implausible, you know, try looking at a thing called real life every now and then. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, th- that is the weird element to a lot of horror is that it is the mirror that we hold up to society and demonstrate its extremes in semi-realistic fashion. It is why we crave it. Right. And, and you know, and you know perfectly well that this homeless man has probably tried to tell them numerous times what's yes, go, what's going on in that house, and they clearly have never listened to him. They don't believe him because no one has ever investigated this house. Apparently, right. so he has yeah. just designated himself. You know, well, I'll just stay. I'll just hang around here and try to warn people from going into the house, and then he ends yeah. up paying for it with his life. Unfortunately, <laughs> right. It just oh, occurred man. to me. It just, it, it just occurred to me. I don't even know why it's called Barbarian. <laughs> well, I think my my guess, and I certainly don't know this, but this would be my guess, is that it is not a noun. It is more a descriptor that what has occurred there are barbarian. What has occurred there has been barbarian as opposed to a barbarian. Unless... We're going in the sort of classical sense of a barbarian who comes into a space and destroys it and literally rapes and pillages, Um, which you could say to a certain degree, Frank has been doing that for quite some time. Um, uh, Have you ever seen Megan is missing? Okay. It's not, I don't know. It's hard to say it's not worth your time. There are people whom I respect who believe it to be a kind of a hidden lo-fi classic. And, but it is so incompetently made for the first section of the film, the the first two acts that you can't believe that anything that happens afterwards isn't just like a confession of a crazy person. Um, it just, it feels like Birdemic. And then Birdemic has some images that you fucking can't believe exist on film at the end of it, where it suddenly becomes competent in the most incompetent, like you don't, it's an untrustworthy filmmaker. And then at the end of it, uh, I, spoilers for Megan is missing. If you've gotten this far into Barbarian, I think you can probably guess. The, Megan has been missing she has been captured by a serial killer she has been tortured and raped she's shown with her head sticking out of an oil drum and her mouth forced open with these calipers and you can imagine why then the it ends with her inside this oil drum banging to be let out and for 10 minutes you watch somebody dig up a hole then shove the oil barrel into it and start to fill it up And you hear her screams the entire time. And I can't say it's not, it's ineffective. It's absolutely effective, but it is 
the entire film is so poor that for all of a sudden it to be effective, just, I just, it feels untrustworthy to me. <laughs> and because it's untrustworthy, I think it's effective, but I don't think it's a good movie. And this is the good movie version of that sort of thing where it's about the reason it works is the person behind the camera is confident and they have written uh, well-structured characters and people have been, you've seen all sides of them. And that skill transforms a movie from a simple premise to something that's pretty fucking spectacular. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, it's kept me on my toes the entire time, which, which I appreciated because not a lot of horror does that. That's very true. Uh, what a time to be a horror fan. So um, Josh Hollis does all of our artwork and Revenge Body does all of our music. Go to Revenge Body Memphis at bandcamp.com to find uh, this theme and all of our remixes. It's good stuff. Gina, um, shall we play Choose Your Own Death Venture? That's where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this film. If you were to choose one, which one would it be and why? We have your head smashed against the stone walls of a murder basement and you can have your eyes poked out and head ripped open like your two separate bowling balls um or just get uh plugged after living a life as a crazy mutant inside inside said murder basement, or you take your own life in that same fashion with that same gun, or you can have your arm ripped off and are beaten with it. So those are your choices. Gina, what say you? I mean, my first thought is, you know, well, I guess, you know, having my head smashed would be, you know, all right. Cause you know, he probably goes pretty quick. Uh, but mm-hmm. also he was pretty terrified up to that point. So I, I, I don't, yes. I don't know that I would want that. So probably just probably just shot in the head. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking getting plugged. Um, even if uh, I'm letting Bebe know that it's okay. And I understand. Oh my God. <laughs> even the, even, even the unintentional physical villain, if we're talking about in James Bond terms has a, like at the end of the day, it's all this, this individual knows, but even that individual recognizes that what they're attempting to do is mother instead of being a monster. Oh my God. Gina. What a film. <laughs> to me, that's cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and of course, horror's great villains, Justin, <laughs> Justin Long's eyeballs. <laughs> At least now, there it happens in a film we can we can have fun discussing because it's not connected to a, a real life crime. Yes. So there we go. Uh, we got that going for it. Um, don't worry if you don't recognize that reference. It's not something you want to learn about. So just fucking let it go. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about movies and television at thespool.net. Um, I am on Twitter under Gina does things and I have a newsletter in which I wrote about my feelings on barbarian. Um, Ooh. it's, uh, uh, Gina watches things dot substack.com. 
Excellent. People, you should be reading this stuff. Jane, I, of course, I, uh, your words are what made this podcast happen because I read your stuff and I said, this person gets it. <laughs> and guess what you do? Uh, so if you are not uh, signed up for Gina Substack, I, I would encourage everyone to do so. It is a wonderful pleasure to read your work. Um, and of course, you can find us on Twitter and still uh, for, for now. now. Uh, Facebook, for, uh, this is a, a cavalcade of bad places to be. Uh, <laughs> we're on uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Believe it or not, TikTok, I put my fucking face on there. I got so angry about someone claiming Steven Spielberg directed Poltergeist like a fucking asshole. No, he did not. Stop saying that. And um, our Patreon, we're, we're doing fun stuff. Uh, we talked about Black Roses uh, last month. And of course, uh, by the time this comes out, our, our Halloween ends commentary will be available for all to listen to and enjoy in quotes. And uh, that just about does it uh, for this week on Kill by Kill. Um, what's in the future? Well, we had all sorts of plans and you know what happens when man plans, God laughs. So uh, <laughs> here's the deal. We are going to have Saw's giving. Saw's giving is going to happen. We have a guest for Saw's giving. Um, we are going to have some shows. Whether or not we make it out every single week will be up for some debate. Uh, we have been well ahead of the curve when it came to this, but as it gets close to the holidays, uh, our time is somewhat strained uh, in, in both locales. And so... We were never intended to be a weekly podcast, but we're going to try our best to do so. There might be some Patreon releases. There might be a week or two where we just don't have a show. Um, it's not because we don't want to. It's simply because we're, we're having difficulty in terms of scheduling a weekly podcast. Um, but uh, we love you all. and we, we want to occupy your time and your ear holes. And we're going to try to be back as often as we can. But we will at least, we will always have a show every other week. That is the kill by kill promise. We're going to show up every other week. We promise. Uh, and uh, so for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.